I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome my very spiritually gifted friend, Shara Ojin, who is a clairvoyant capable of seeing people at an energetic level. She works as an intuitive coach and runs the Women Rising program and has just published a book titled Unlocking the Body's Wisdom, Accessing Your Healing Powers from Within. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hello, Shara, and welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Well, hello. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy you're here. So, Shara, you and I met through the uh, the women's tea, the uh, goddess tea. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really excited to hear about the work that you're doing and that you've done for a while now. How long have you been in this line of work? Oh, it's all emerging. I mean, probably since I was born, really. <laughs> oh, you know, I love that. And, you know, I was really drawn to you because you said that your purpose is to help women remove their blocks, right? To their highest potential. Yes. And that's such a big theme for me in creating Women Waken is allowing women to really dive in and find their gifts and then open the channel so they can bring them out. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what you do all the time with in so many different ways. You know, I know that you run, you know, programs for women, women rising, um, and that you really help people to develop their intuition. And you've even written a book on the topic. Yes, so absolutely. And, and you're also a reverend, which I'd love yeah. to hear about. <laughs> which one which do you want to hear about first? Oh, I hear about all of it. Okay, well, let's, okay. let's start with the reverend, because let's start with where you are now. Okay. You are Reverend Shara. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, in, in full honesty, I, I, uh, I only use that name sometimes. Like I don't lead with it. I don't say I'm a reverend. I say I'm an intuitive coach. Cause that feels more resonant for me. I got the title reverend when I went through the clairvoyant school in, uh, in uh, San Francisco, I did an advanced training. So I was actually there for four years, just really dig- diligently. And I didn't do it because I wanted to be a reverend. I didn't even know about the reverend's license or a minister. I'm a minister or, uh, or I, I didn't even know I wanted to do this line of work. All I knew is I wanted to heal myself. I wanted to heal my own inner wounds. And I had been working on my limiting beliefs and my like lack of confidence. And one of my main blocks was relationships. Like I never had, I never had experienced love before the age of 40. And I never really had like a person who I, I, I just was so disconnected from intimacy and I wanted to be more connected. I, I, there was so much I wanted that I didn't have that psychology and coaching was unable to bring me closer towards. And so I just wanted more out of life. And 
I was recommended to go to this school. And so I did it purely for myself. But what happened is uh, my first year was all like about me shedding and releasing and crying. And I had so much like um, held in emotions because one of my family beliefs was to hold in emotions, you know, not to express yourself. That wasn't my way in my family to express emotions or like what's going on in the inside. We didn't have that kind of conversation when I was growing up. And so for me to actually be not only in the vulnerability of what what is true and right for me, but also to actually come into my physical body and also to be okay with who I am. I was so in rejection of all these separate parts of myself. So my work right now as a coach and as a psychic is integration, integrating all these parts inside of ourselves and loving ourselves fully. So what happened is towards the end of my training there, actually probably middle of the training, I became psychic and I started to see things like crazy. You know, we put the psychic screen about our arms length down in front of us. And I started to see exactly what was blocking me, you know, like, and it's a different thing every day. And there's, it's like layers of an onion. There's always more. It's not just like one thing, boom, you're healed. It's a lot, it's a process. And so I went through a big spiritual awakening about eight or nine years ago. It wasn't one day that it happened. I know first one, some day they just wake up or they go to the rock and they, it happens for me. It was probably a year of shedding. And by the end of that year, I was able to attract anything and everything I wanted. So I fell in love at the age of 44. I had a baby at the age of 47. I basically money, it was just like everything happened. Like I would just set my mind and on a target and it would happen. And so then I developed this ability to see what was blocking other people from having what they want. And so I was like, oh my God. And so first I was just doing it for fun, like doing tons of readings, like, you know, like uh, like six to 10 readings a week. And, and I was getting healed. So I was like, thank you for letting me read your energy. Cause I'm the one that get, that's really getting the healing here. And, um, it just allowed me to, it's like a muscle, the psychic part of your mm. intuitive sense is a muscle. And so I just kept developing it and developing it. And then, uh, before that, I actually had a really good job. I was in the medical field. And so I was, I had no intention to leave that. It just organically happened because it was like what I call it the wave you cannot run that, which means that if something happens that uh, just to go with the wave, if something more powerful happens than is happening in your life, don't resist it and go with it. So that's what I am doing now. I work, I'd say most all my clients are ladies right now, helping them to find love, to have a baby in their forties, to uh, step into what their highest calling is and to live it passionately. Oh my goodness, Shara, that is just absolutely beautiful and incredible. And wow, so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) Great. First of all, I just want to, you know, really acknowledge and thank you for speaking to the idea of not knowing love until later in life. You know, I think that a lot of people are afraid to admit that, you know, to say to say that I've, I've never been in love and I'm, you know, 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old, because we, we have such a timeline in our minds, yeah. right? Of when we're supposed to do all these things, when we're supposed to be successful and have love and you know, come into our own. And yet it's different for everyone. And when we're not truly connected with our authentic self, it's not, it doesn't truly happen. Right. And so we can kind of have maybe what might not be an authentic love, but we don't, we don't want to be upfront about that because we're afraid to admit it. I think, you know? Yeah. 
I basically used to run program. I, I'm not doing this right now. I just work with people one-on-one, but I used to run programs on love manifestation. Cause I felt like I did, I had every block in the book about, I actually really never had a boyfriend until the age of 40 to be fully transparent with you. It was that bad. I would never, um, I struggled with eating disorders in my twenties and, um, body dysmorphia. And I just believed, I just felt unlovable. And I believed that, um, uh, no man would really want to be with me unless like I was drunk. And so like, I basically was just very blocked on the sexual realm, but I actually went deep dive. And I, I, a lot of my thirties was doing sexuality work. Um, I was actually a sex coach. I was, I lived in an organization helping people with orgasm and stuff like that. So this is something I don't really talk about, but it's true because this was a lot of my awakening and how I got there. I needed to get really comfortable with my own body, my own sexuality, and I needed to learn how to be myself around another person. Because before that, um, especially around men, maybe around women a little bit, but I always tried to be the person who I thought that I should be for this person. So basically it was really uncomfortable, uh, like me trying to fit in because just me being me was, I, I couldn't accept me being me. Who would want to be with me? You know, that was my thought. So what if I just tried to pretend like I'm this great popular girl and had all these things great when inside I'm like a dork and, you know, just everything that a, per- a guy would not want to be with. Now my husband loves my dorkiness, you know, so now I could like lead fully with it and I have like lack of shame, but it really took me until after like until 44 where I could f- fully admit all these aspects of who I am. And now the thing that was like my biggest wounding and my biggest like thing that I hide around the things I just mentioned is what I, is kind of like my, it informs a lot of my purpose. And so by sharing it, I feel like either people are going to be drawn to me or not, you know, and whatever that is, that's fine. Cause you know, I don't need everybody drawn to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we don't with just the people that we're, you know, are aligned with us. And when we're our true selves and let our true light shine, people find us who are akin to us. And, and I, you know, completely agree. And so much you just said, Shara. And again, I just thank you for speaking it aloud because man, I mean, this is the stuff that I wish more women, but just people in general would talk about, because mm-hmm. to me, these are the things that people, the truth that people stifle and push down that keeps us addicted and sick and unhappy. Totally. We don't let ourselves admit, I don't love myself. I'm terrified that I can't be loved. I feel like there's something very wrong with me that I can't show people. I think there's something wrong with me because I haven't been in love. All these things and we just push it down and we don't allow ourselves to admit, you know, I've never loved fully and I've never had this. And then we don't find it, you know, because you can't find something when you don't admit that you're looking for it still. Um, so it sounds like you really allow people to connect with their truth and because by doing that, they can actually start looking for what will really bring them fulfillment and happiness. So coming into acceptance of all the parts of yourself sounds really great on paper, but it's so hard. And so a lot of my work, both psychic work that I do. So I really like combining psychic and coaching because we kind of need a combination of both. And most of the people who are drawn to working with me also have done a hell of a lot of work on themselves like you. I mean, we don't, you're not my client, but I'm just saying people who have, I know you've done a lot of work on yourself. So um, one part of my book that I actually put in, my book is about healing both emotional and physically is a a body image exercise. That's really important. Um, 
Oh, and, then, and I just remembered you work with eating disorders as well. So we're talking the same language now. Okay. Totally. And I feel that, you know, as, as a fellow, you know, it sounds like we both struggled with them in the past. Um, to me, it just highlights and illuminates all of this. You know, eating disorders yes. are to me a manifestation of that self-rejection, of that fear about who we are, what we're not, all those things manifest. And we can just, you know, absolve ourselves in the disorder and not deal with it, you know, not really have to see any of it. And we get lost in it and it becomes this conditional ability to accept ourselves, right? Like, okay, well, if I can get thin enough or if I can do this enough, then, then I'll be good enough. And you can just stay in that track forever. Yes. Um, so it sounds, what the word I'm getting is you help people break through, break out. When people are in that state of mind, it's very insular. It's very like condensing, like almost like the arc field comes in and they could just micro pick every single aspect of their body. And so when someone like that could really use kind of like a energetic holding that, you know, you, I think the message people might not get this in words, but they could get it in the energy vibration of you are enough. Like there's nothing wrong with you. You are enough. Yeah. And it's so hard for people to believe that and to trust that Um, because, and I think the reason why is because they're the only ones that can declare that and make Mm -hmm. that statement. But we, I think the people are much more comfortable with other people confirming things for them. Mm -hmm. We only believe, no, 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 I'm enough if I get this much attention or if I get this much approval or recognition, but to just be able to sit with ourselves and say, I'm deciding on my own with no external factors at play that I am enough, that I am amazing. That's hard for people to do because we we don't feel that we can trust that because we've, Mm -hmm. we've learned not to trust ourselves. You know, oh, well, I can't trust that I'm okay because what if somebody hurts me? What if somebody rejects me? Then I get scared again. So that- Yeah, it's really important to like strengthen your, we'll call it the center pole or the base of who you are. But like, literally I was unable to get there till like after 40. So, you know, like I was like a weeble wobble. Someone would say this and I'd be like off, you know, in like the, like, even if I had a relationship before the age of 40, it would never have lasted because I was so sensitive to what people- would say or tell me like I call it seniority too like really owning who you are that now I'm married and it's good and it's good it's a lot of women are waiting till later to find like their one and only and I think that's really awesome because we want to work out all these parts of ourselves um like my husband is very he's dramatic he's very strong-minded and like he'll say stuff to me and I'm like it won't even like bother me personally, because I know who I am. I've, I've gotten to that level of confidence and strength. And another thing I want to say about waiting till you're older is when you meet somebody and you form a strong connection, like it could be a soulmate bond, where you are when you meet them, that metric becomes cemented and sealed. And by metric, I mean like every aspect of who you are, like um, the giver, the receiver, the, uh, I mean, uh, before I met my husband, I was like always like the one that would call the guy or the one that wanting to take care of the guy or like unable to receive. Basically, I switched this around before I met him that from the moment I met my husband, he was the giver and I was the receiver. Oh. And that's just like one example of we want to work these things out before we meet them. Like we basically meet relationships because this, this is subconsciously. They say it's because of their pheromones, but really it's because of their unmet needs that they're providing. So in order to have a healthy relationship, you have to have met your unmet needs. And by unmet needs, I mean childhood wounding. Everybody has one to five 
serious unmet needs that stay with them throughout their lifetime until they're seriously healed. And even if they're seriously healed, there still might be twinges of it that will show up, but, um, um, but you'll, you'll find your center pole really easy. Like it might just be like a kind of tightening inside of yourself just momentarily. And then you could find your way right back to who you are and what you're doing. That's, that's what a healed pattern would look like. So you, you will automatically find your partner because they will be meeting and helping you like through security, whatever your unmet need is, but it will never last. And so whenever the honeymoon period fades, you'll go into your, uh, uh, back into that same pattern of feeling the same wounding that you felt when you were younger. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really important that we know that. And that we, uh, the thing is, is when you get in a serious relationship with someone and then you go into that wounding pattern, like, um, uh, attachment, you know, like that's the big psychology term attachment disorders. And that's, I, I hear a lot of people talking about like their attachment stuff is really up right now. Um, they need to know that it's not about them. It's just like the circumstance that's happening that makes it feel even stronger. And also it's time. I think that the coronavirus has provided a great time for us to kind of like wake up and do the deeper inner healing work. That's actually really relevant for us, not only for our own healing, but also because we're transpiring these aspects of ourselves onto our, our younger generations. Even if you're not having children, you still will transfer these patterns and imprints onwards. Absolutely. For generations to come, unless we start sending a different message and a different way of processing and moving through our traumas and pains, right? Because as you describe this, I think of, you know, my hope is that generations from now, we don't hold on to these pains, that we don't have these, these deep woundings, that we learn more how to address them and heal them when they happen, that we learn more that it doesn't, because I think there's, um, you know, people are very afraid of their wounds and their traumas. So they push them away and they don't deal with them. Right. Yeah. And that's what creates these long held. Cause just to your point, Shara, I can't imagine there's anyone listening to it who doesn't know exactly what you're talking about, which is these patterns that we get into where we meet these partners that always seem to kind of provide the same sort of, we we're always looking for the same thing, which mm-hmm. what you just said is we're looking for them to heal mm-hmm. or affirm the things about ourselves that we're so we're, we're hurting so much from, or we're so afraid of, you know, can this person finally validate that I am worthy of love? Well, no, because like we said before, only we can do that. But if we're seeking someone else to provide that validation, then we're going to, it's because we're keep, we're going to keep addressing this, this wound. And I think that this generation coming in is patterns happen generationally. And it's really interesting. Like the wounds that our parents faced were definitely different. Our parents weren't healing their inner child. They didn't have to, (laughs) or our grandparents either. They had other, so there's always going to be wounds and pain, but our children. So I have a two and a half year old right now, and um, she's a whole different species. Um, even though I feel like she might have sure some of my aunt, and I'm working really hard to make sure she doesn't have my same wounding that I had growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I think they're coming in wiser. They, they just are. It's a more intellectual. I just feel it, feeling like they're the ones that are actually wanting to heal more of us like us. (laughs) And, um, I I think it's going to be a different pattern for them for sure. I think they're just more brilliant in every way, you know, Mm -hmm. like the innovator, innovator, even though they're coming in the computer age. So they're just going to be more savvy in every area. Yeah. 
that would be wonderful. And I feel that too. I think there is a, a level of empathy and and intuition that these this generation has that I'm hopeful is going to be a part of shifting the way that that we live and experience ourselves and life and love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you, Shara, because you know I think this is important and relevant again to most people. So you mentioned that you feel that until people heal their their wounds, they won't have a successful relationship that it won't, they'll, they'll just kind of get that, you know, the honeymoon period of, Oh, you know, this, here he is, this person's going to save me or whatever it is, heal me. But then once that wears off, we realize that we're still with those wounds. Um, do you think that it's possible to work with someone to heal together or yes, absolutely on their own first fully? Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, it's good to get to a certain point of healing of your unmet need whether it's around security or getting attention, like say, let's take, for example, your, your uh, dad worked all day, was never there. And your mom was working as well. So basically you were, you just got no attention. And so as you get older, you're facing the, uh, like you have to like make noise or do something really irritating to get attention, you know? So that's your thing. Like nobody is, nobody's giving, nobody's listening to me. Um, so yes, I would say you would want to, I'm just intuitively getting the number 80%, 75 to 80. You want to get to like where it's that percent healed. And then yes, with your partner, you will always fine tune it. Absolutely. I don't believe people are going to be hundred percent healed of the wound until they meet their partner. And I feel like your partner is going to be like the finishing touches to you healing that wound. And then through work, either, you know, either working with a professional like you or me, or through your own personal growing, you could figure out ways and strategies to not, um, you know, push the trigger button on the other person's wounds. So yes, I do believe you could work through it. And also, um, let's just be clear. I'm not saying that relationships are not going to work out. If you haven't healed the unmet need, I feel like it's going to be a rocky ship for a period of time. Right. Right. Gotcha. Would you be open to sharing a little about when you met your husband and what was different for you since you said that, you know, that was really your first experience of a relationship, a loving relationship, a safe one. What was different for you and what was the connection like that helped, that helped helped you to realize, wow, this is actually, there's actually something here. This feels like something I I could join in this union. Mm -hmm. So yes, great question. Mm I think the thing that helped me the most is I wasn't attracted to him at first. And because usually if I'm attracted to a guy, then I like basically lose myself. So that helped me. I was like, oh, he's just kind of like a friend with doing nice things for me and I'm not going to make anything of it. So I was, it was the first time I was ever able to like be fooling myself. And then over a period of time, a process, I warmed up to him to be in a lover and then, you know, the next steps. And basically I was blind. I was so in my, the thing that changed was me. I had done, and the crazy thing is, is I was just completing my work at um, Psychic Horizons, the school I went to, and I maybe, it's like the law of attraction, I maybe had done a hundred love readings, like two months prior, like in the past two, three months, like everybody was coming to me, all these ladies were coming to me for love readings, like, where's my partner? And I'd be like, oh, it's this thing, blah, 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 and then I would look for my match, an energetic match, and then I'd heal it with inside myself. So, um, I basically healed all of my wound, like my father wounds, like a lot of, 
I'd say <laughs> I, I, there's probably not a woman out there who has difficulty with love that doesn't have father issues. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of work around that. Can we pause a little and can you share about healing the father wounds? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was on so many levels, honestly, like a lot of the work I was doing was past lives, like mm-hmm. healing our dynamic and past lives, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that was. And then uh, a lot of expectations that he had in this life, like uh, healing my my inner child, who basically my dynamic with him was he was scolding me basically all the time. <laughs> and so I was always the one that was wrong or something was wrong with me or I was leaving the lights on. And so uh, it created beliefs in me that something's always wrong. I don't fit in. And also his inability to actually look at me and see me really showed me that no man really wants to put their full attention on me. Mm-hmm. So I felt, um, so basically every man I had attracted before him was before my husband was an unavailable man, because that's all I was able to handle. So a lot of the work I do with women right now is their ability to receive, receive mm-hmm. attention, receive a compliment. Um, I basically had blocked myself on that. Mm-hmm. Also my whole life, I felt like I always had a lot of blame and anger towards like the whole dynamic in my family being like the black sheep. And I had to, I had to really heal that. And I I actually feel completely healed on the blame part, you know, like anger and blame for like the way they were and all of that. And that's like crucial part. And then the, the, like my entire life, some other women may relate to this. I had these like expectations of proving myself to my father about who I am, both in career and in love. And I always just had that dream, like wedding image of like, there I am. My dad's gonna be so proud of me. And then like, when you've actually healed this, and when you actually, this is how manifestations work, you actually don't care. So my wedding day was uh, like three years ago or over three years ago. And it's like, I didn't even care about how my dad thought. Like, I, I, I mean, I guess I was sort of happy about that, but um, yeah. So uh, belief change work, just, I mean, I'm talking like I was working it. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Another thing I'd love for you to, to give a little insight into is, you know, as a, as a therapist, this comes up so often when, you know, in the first few sessions we talk about, well, it sounds like there's some, a lot of healing that needs to be done. And first we need to identify what needs to be healed. And then we heal and people say, well, how do I heal? And there's a lot of ways, but I actually find myself asking the same question when you've done a certain amount of work around something, you feel like there's still more, there's still a pain, yeah. right? There's still pain occurring. Yeah. What does healing look like to you? Cause you've said many times, you know, you've healed so many things. And, and it's so abstract because people who are pretty literal are like, well, what does that look like? What do I actually like? Do I put an ointment on it? Do I, you know, how do I get that healing happening? What, how does it heal for you? And, yeah. but it sounds like it, it started kind of with your psychic abilities, but before that, or even into that, what does psychic healing look like? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me just start with, I use the metaphor of the onion. I think I mentioned that. So it's like layers of an onion. So you like heal one, shed something like a belief about you being unlovable, maybe in psychic, uh, what I do as a psychic is I shut my eyes and I look at the person with my eyes shut and I uh, set up a psychic screen and I see a picture. The picture might be a childhood picture where this started or it could be a past life or it could just be a, a, an image. Um, and then I do energy clearing on it. But after a session, everybody feels shifted. People just feel lighter or something has shifted more open in their heart or whatever, whatever it is, whatever they're w- specifically that they're working, we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, I have so many different ways that I work because I work as a coach and as a psychic. Anyways, um, okay, let me get my train of thought back. 
Oh, so to really know that just because you've had one session and things feel different, that doesn't mean that this thing is healed. You actually need, if it's a really deep wound, and I believe all of us have four to five main limiting beliefs, actually three to five main limiting beliefs that stick with us. And we have a corresponding defense mechanisms, and then we attract corresponding circumstances. So you may have like a trauma that has occurred, but if it occurred later in life, there's already an imprint for it earlier in life. Anyways, so this is where the healing needs to be really directed. It needs to be directed three different areas for me, for my work is inner child, the first five years of your life, past life, and ancestral wounding. That's a whole nother type of session that I do, DNA ancestral healing, because every fear, every worry is also passed on through the generations, through family systems, even through the family people that you don't know, not, not just your nuclear family, but everybody else. Mm-hmm. To truly change a pattern, you need to be in the state. So I've I've done I've gone through many um, several identity shifts, like completely different person. I mean, I look I look the same and same color. Actually, my hair color changes, but everything else looks the same <laughs> uh, for several months. So like I I felt like I was like top of the world, you know, certain times through my healing, and then I'll get a bonk. And I'll bonk me back a, a ways. That doesn't necessarily mean that like the healing hasn't occurred. It's sort of like that three steps forward, one step back. That's how it works for a lot of people. Until you get to a place that you've been at, I'd say for about six months. And when you're there for six months at the state of whatever it's, maybe it's inner peace, like whatever metric you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty like five to six months. If it's there, then it, that, has, that pattern is pretty much healed and shifted. Yeah. Also, you don't really know if you're healed until you're in intimacy. <laughs> you can't be a mood on the mountain and think that you're healed. You got to be integrating with people. That you know, that is one of the main reasons for intimacy and for relationship is to evolve the self. Completely. Your partner is a mirror. It is, and it's the number one way through relationship. You know, we talk. It's so important to do. You know, we talk about needing periods of being single and working on ourselves, and that is true. Yet there is nothing like a relationship to truly get the gears into high gear and really get that traction and challenging situations to allow you to see. Because you don't sometimes you don't see your chains until you test whether you can move forward, and then you realize, oh my gosh, I'm completely chained by these beliefs. And we don't know these beliefs until somebody challenges them in a relationship. I, I wish I knew some of the wisdoms that I know now back then, because it would have made my life in my thirties much less depressing. <laughs> right. But here's, here's something I really want you to know if you're single and looking for love is that you don't need to try so hard. Yes. Maybe get on dating sites, get yourself out there. You know, there are things you could do. So I'm not saying don't do that. But the thing is, is your soulmate has already been ridden into this lifetime that you're going to meet him. And that's the crazy thing. I mean, honestly, I had an astrological reading 10 years ago that predicted when I would meet this guy. No, I did. It's already, I didn't believe it. I literally didn't believe it until it came true. But my, my point is, is um, and my husband and I, we have, you know, fights here and there and he's like, I'm done. I'm out of this relationship. And I'm like, great leave because I know he won't because <laughs> our karmic contract is not done. We still have issues to work through. Totally. So I don't even get scared. I almost like laugh when that happens. You know what I'm saying? 
You think that you're there. You think that like you have to be this great, amazing, perfect hair, perfect mascara, you know, when you meet him, but it has nothing to do with that. It's what your soul needs to complete in this lifetime. And it matches like pieces of the puzzle with what his soul needs to complete in his lifetime. So whatever issues you have, have, no matter how messed up you are, you know, parents of the Holocaust, whatever traumas you face, it doesn't matter because you're going to find the polarity in this lifetime that is going to help you with that. I used to be like the most concerned person with how I loved it. I need to make sure I wore the right clothes that he would like. And that's like so messed up my perspective back then. I wish I'd known that didn't matter. It's a soul contract. And I believe everybody in this lifetime will find at least one soulmate. I found my dog and my baby. So I have three soulmates. I'm a very lucky person right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're just in it. You're, you're connected. Yeah, it's so happening. You're it's so happening. And I might just put in a plug for my manifestation program. That's going to be happening in like a month. Actually, it's going to be happening exactly when this is launched. So yes, manifestation program. What, what is that? Can you tell us? Oh yeah. Well, I'm a chief manifester and this is going to be a two month program to help people to manifest. it's the information will be on my website. And so it's, it's actually starting probably right when this is showing. So hop on board. It's going to be great. I've led this several times and it's basically, there's things that you could do to actually progress your spirit towards manifesting what you want. For one thing, just having a group of people put their intention on what you want. That's one of the many magic magics that could occur. Well, I feel like it's twofold. One is speaking your intention out loud publicly. I think it's a huge step. And then having other people hold your vision or your manifestation, all of those things combined are are basically just, you know, acceleration of creating this. And that's why I I work on people's like happiness level because most people, one of the main blocks is people don't feel ready. They they subconsciously don't even believe that they can have it. So we got to clear that block. There's a limiting belief standing in the way of your, um, you're having it. So we clear that block. I literally go around and I tell every single person in the group what their limiting belief is. And I tell them exactly why they don't have it. And then we do a process to clear it. And then I teach people like psychic tools or like energetic tools to like literally clear it. And then, and then, so it's five weeks in a row. And then we take a few weeks break. So to give you time to like, just let it come. And then we're going to come back the last week and share the magic. That sounds Absolutely fantastic. (laughs) I want to get on board with that. But Shara, I need you to tell me a little more about this experience of seeing people's blocks. What, what is, what is that? What is that? You, you, so you well, meet someone and you, do you get a sense of, you get an image in your head or it's like, can you see a sort of like a color of, of image with, what is it? It's like all of that. So part of, yeah. When did this um, start? Like how old were you when you had this I mean, or okay. do you always have it's been a lifetime of learning. Like I'm an empath. Uh, when I was in my thirties, I learned from this amazing teacher, Nicole Dedone, like I was her prodigy and she taught me a lot of people know her. She's really uh, renowned in what she does, um, intimacy work. But anyways, uh, she taught me how to feel and how to feel limbically into the, another person. This is a lot around, uh, the sexuality training, you know, what I, I, I was first a student, I was there for seven years, first as a student and then as a co-teacher. Anyways, uh, so feeling, just I could just feel, I feel. And I have synesthesia, which is where 
I feel a sense and it gets translated into like seeing or hearing. Mm-hmm. So my hearing comes in like clear audience. Okay. So, and then I did four, so I was seven years there. I did two years of coaching trainings and then I did four years of psychic work and bam, I, now I could just, uh, I shut my eyes often or I just get a sense. I feel it. I feel it. I see it. Sometimes I hear it. <laughs> wow. That is such an, a wonderful gift to offer to people because most people can't, don't know how to do it on their own. They don't know how to see those blocks. They don't realize they're right. blocks, right? And most people, and also some people get an idea. Like for me personally, a lot of the times when I don't have, there's a lot of times I want something, I don't have it and I, I can't get it. It's because I'm trying too hard and I get like in my masculine, you know? And it's like, I just like push everybody away when I get into that field. And so some people get like an intuition about what it is, but that's sometimes not enough to just change it. Right. <laughs> so, Right. Well, so what do you recommend to anybody? Just, you know, very 101 first step level of if they're asking themselves, you know, why don't my relationships ever work out? And why do I keep going for the same type of person? Or, or why are I, why am I not getting the success or these opportunities I want? What's, what's your first? My, t- my suggestion is to literally just sit, sit in a really quiet spot with no cell phone or no distractions And just first, just quiet yourself, get in touch with your breath. And then I like to, the hand on the heart, put your left hand on your heart, wait until you feel your heartbeat, connect into your heart and hear what's the message. What's the information I need to know right now. It could be the information around this relationship or the information I need right now, or what is my truth in this moment. And the arm will get tired after so long. So you could just put your arm down and either just come inside. You could either come inside and be quiet or you could come inside and ask yourself questions like that. Beautiful, beautiful. That's a a wonderful offering and so needed Um, as is everything that you're sharing, Shara. I think your work is so profound in that I think it really is part of what's paving the way because everything you're describing is about Mm self-healing and it's about, you know, tapping into intuition and using our own gifts. And to me, that's, that's the shift that's going to change our world is when people recognize they are their own greatest source of healing, of achieving, of becoming and manifesting all they've ever wanted you know, mm-hmm. it, it never, it doesn't lie outside of us. It lies within us, mm-hmm. but yet we disempower ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in every way, you know, and I love that you touch on, you know, the sexuality part, because, you know, that's the fact that we're so timid about that and often so turned away from that just shows how detached we are from our true essence and our true being, you know, because mm-hmm. sex is nothing other, other than energy. It's just an ex- mm-hmm. a very exciting Absolutely. Yeah. We, we think we have such, um, mixed thoughts about it because of our, you know, our cultural story around sex. Right. I used to say I was a sex psychic, like I could see exactly where people's blocks are in sex and exactly what they need. (laughs) I know it sounds scary, but, um, I I don't use that one often because it's not really the clientele I work with, but it's, it's, you're right. It's all just energy. Like if somebody has a lot of, um, active energy, tumescent energy, PMS-y kind of energy. They need like, you know, 
probably harder downstrokes, which is like fucking, you know, like that kind of energy to bring them into their body. And if they're more in a, um, like a, a wounded space, um, like slower, more tender, like touches mm-hmm. and love, you know, it's yeah. basically just connecting limbically into another person and knowing how they, what they need in the moment. That's so beautiful. Wow. I love that. So your book, does your book talk yes. about all of this? I know. It, I know Actually, it, we it haven't really it. talked about the topics in my book. So let's spend a few minutes. Okay. So the book title. Book though, because I want to get more into everything you just said. Is some yeah. Yeah. And we could do another podcast. All good. Um, <laughs> so anyways, the title of the book is called Unlocking the Body's Wisdom, mm-hmm. Accessing Your Healing Powers from Within. So I'll say that again, unlocking the body's wisdom, accessing your healing powers from within. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Um, Barnes and Nobles, you can buy the hard hard copy and like cover and Amazon's a soft cover. Anyways, so I got the inspiration for this book because as I was doing energy healings with people, so I worked a lot on the physical body and physical pain. So I basically am a medical intuitive right now. And uh, as I was doing readings, people's physical pain would literally just go away. And I, I, at first it surprised me. I wasn't expecting it. Or it would go like from an eight for like on a zero to 10 scale from like an eight to a two, you know, so almost away or gone. So it's usually like a one or a two are gone by the end of a session. And I was just like, wow, that's crazy. And so pretty soon I started to realize that a lot of the information and the beliefs and the stuck emotions were very similar for, di- for different diagnoses. Mm-hmm. And so I started to write this down. Also, a similar book that's done this is Louise Hayes' You Could Heal Your Life, if any of you are familiar with that book. However, her book is very sweet and uses affirmations, which are lovely, but they're not enough to get somebody out of physical pain. And so that was like my main like um, irritation with that book is like, I don't want to have low back pain and just say this affirmation because it's not going to get me out of pain. It's a, it's a nice, sweet, thoughtful way. So I basically charted in my book 145 diagnoses and the root cause and solutions from the perspective of the mind and the body. Anytime you have stuck emotions or fear or anxiety in your body, that will over time lead to some sort of malady. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so like everything, I talk a lot about shoulder pain and back pain or various diagnoses. Like uh, I have one client right now with multiple sclerosis. So I just put that one in and, you know, different things. It doesn't just happen by accident or, you know, by will. There's reasons it happens. Some of it is your contract to have to have it. But the book, the actual book, I, um, uh, I talk about different things in the book. So I talk about um, how uh, the physiological states of emotions in our body, like fear, worry, anxiety, ur- urgency. So one chapter is all about the physiology. One chapter is all about family systems and ancestral patterns. Uh, one chapter is about learning to listen. And one chapter is about how to see pictures, like just very basic. I don't really teach anybody to be psychic in this book, but just kind of how that works that we see pictures and it shows up in our body. And um, the whole workbook, which goes with the book is, is practices, some of the practices that I use with clients to help heal their wounds, such as um, clearing out the communication, the stuck communication, because lots of times we have anger, resentment, uh, fear towards somebody else that are piss off that we don't actually say. And anytime unexpressed emotions get stuck, this will show up somewhere in your body. 
probably the throat, but it could be other areas as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the other exercises are limiting beliefs, how to heal a belief. I also have free, I have uh, over a hundred, I think over a hundred YouTube uh, open source videos for people to heal, like heal the inner child and to heal limiting beliefs, that kind of stuff. And so I have an exercise on integration. I have an exercise on finding your life purpose because the end result, and this is actually the last chapter is on purpose and passion. So I'd say, if anything, I help people, help women to clear the blocks to them stepping into their highest light and their purpose for this, for this life. Incredible. I can't wait to check those out. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You read part of the book, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I read a lot of the book. I just want to watch these, uh, these YouTube instructionals because that's, you know, that's so helpful. And, you know, I think it, it can when you're in that place where you're not quite sure how yet to intuitively listen clearly to yourself and, and, you know, understand your, your soul's work or purpose, there can be so much questioning around it that any sort of guidance or assistance is so wonderful. Uh Right. And knowing like, what are you looking for? Like, how do you recognize when you see it and whether it's, you know, your soul purpose or your, your soul mate, right? I think we, we've come to be so in our heads about everything and thinking we have to logically figure things out. But both of those things, they can't be figured out logically, right? They can only be felt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a thing we feel when we know that we're connected with someone, that we're meant to, you know, have when a I, connection. You know, it was crazy that when I was, you know, that time I expressed that I was doing like a couple hundred love readings. Mm-hmm. And then I looked at the last one I did. I looked at like my match or my partner and I saw a figure. It was like a dark figure inside of my aura. And that's the same week I met my husband. Oh, wow. It was crazy. Yeah. I felt him. I felt the energy of him. I felt how it feels like to be with him. And I was living that all week before I met him. And then when I met him, like I said, I didn't even like him, honestly. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, I, I thought that was really weird. I was like, why did I see that image when I haven't even met a guy I like? That's so weird. <laughs> you recognize that energy though within your husband? No, I didn't like him. No, I didn't. It was weird. I was like, oh, please don't have it be him. <laughs> because I knew that I was like, I knew that the man was in my aura. So I was like, please don't have it be him. Please don't have it be him. But in the long run, I realized like he was everything I look, I was looking for. Nice. I, I did make a list of like 200 qualities I was looking for. Uh, and I, 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 yeah. And wow. he did have everyone. So, um, so I am a proponent for a woman really writing it down, writing it down. He had and every- in my manifestation program, I do want everybody to write down specifically what they want. Mm-hmm. How do you think people know? Do you, because how do we get out of our heads about this? Because I think there are so many, um, you know, criteria or stuff that we say, okay, this can't be him because of X, Y, or Z. And sometimes it's not them. So what is your advice to women when we're out there or just to anyone when we're out there and we, we've met someone and there's a connection, but we're like, yeah, but it's not them. It's not my soulmate because of this. How do you help to like release from again, logic or sort of, you know, societal rules and just kind of release and feel that ener- more the energetic no, well, you don't really have to know, you know, you have to just trust the process. And here's the thing, us women, if, if you're anything like me, you future pace, you're like thinking about like that white dress and walking down the aisle, like, you know, like, like your mind goes there automatically. And then it takes you out of the moment. So you're not really being present and you're not really being yourself. And uh, yes, I do a lot of readings with questions like this. And the thing is, is every person is there for a reason. So you need to complete the contract that you, even if it's just like a one date thing, um, and you don't know if you want to go out with him. Maybe it's just one date, but whatever it is, there's still that contract. The energy with him is still there. 
Maybe you need to learn about, you know, maybe he really didn't treat you the way you wanted to be. He didn't, you know, pick you up, that kind of stuff. And so you're like, I am just clear that this is what I do want. You know, sometimes they push you more in the direction of what you do want. So just staying present and staying true to get out of your head. Um, yeah, get Yes. I'd say like half my, my, half my clients have the issue of like in the head all the time. So actually more than half, maybe all of them, but um, just bringing your energy down into your feet. And if you can't do it, this is one of the things I always do with, with them. Energy down, feel, connect to the earth, take mm-hmm. off your shoes and go for a walk on the earth. Mm-hmm. Be in the present moment. Those are all grounding exercises. Perfect. Perfect. I love that. So Shara, after everything you've shared, I think everyone listening is going to want to work with you. <laughs> I know I do. I want to, I want you to see my blocks and my, yeah, and all that stuff. So how can people find you and how can they work with you? How can we find more about out, more about your workshop? How can we find your videos? Yeah. We, we want to find yeah. all about you. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, it's all on my website. My website is my name, sharaogan.com. That's S-H-A-R-A-O-G-I-N.com. And my, my, my email is the same, sharaogan at Gmail. And uh, my, my YouTube is, you could find it under my name. It's also um, uh, Intuitive Coaching and Somatics, but you could, is the name of my YouTube channel, but you could just find it under my name. So it's all under my name. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So we can find you that way. And then your book is on my your book website. is on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. So if you just go to the title, which is unlocking the body's wisdom, accessing your healing powers from within, I actually have a whole bunch of products on I've made like six DVDs and this is actually my, th- my third book. So, uh, but this is the only book on this topic. The other ones are not if they're, they're before I turned 40. So they're before my woo, my ethereal days are more mainstream medical, um, get yourself out of pain kind of books, kind of things. Now, what kind of medical work do you do? What's your, um... well, I was an occupational therapist for 25 years mm-hmm. and I'm also a Feldenkrais practitioner. The Feldenkrais work I do incorporate, I, I do retreats. I do. Um, yeah. So I incorporate the Feldenkrais body, body, mind, spirit, all of it into my retreats. What a fascinating, amazing story you have, Shara. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. And again, I, I just want to thank you for speaking your truth and allowing others to hear that, you know, not everyone finds their success and their love early in life or on the timeline that they expect. You know, I think, you know, myself, someone in their mid thirties, I thought I'd be in a different place now. I thought yeah. I would have done it. So it gives me hope and reassurance that, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah if we're not on the same path as everyone else and that it doesn't, yeah. it won't be found that it, you know, it can, it can happen in some, and often the later, the more attuned and aligned you are with yourself. So the more you're really going to be able to experience true love and true acceptance of self. Yeah. I have just a few things to say about that, that mm-hmm. my first point is, is that we are on a genetic update, meaning that our <laughs> reproductive systems are able to hold a baby much later, where I'm sure generations ago, they were not able to do that. So there is evolution. Like, I bet you our children are going to be like, 40 is the new norm for having kids. <laughs> or maybe the age will be like five years later than it is yeah. now for when people get birth. But there's something evolutionary within inside of our bodies that is actually shifting. The second thing is, is don't wait. 
if you want to have a child, this is like my wake up call. It happened at age 39. I think, you know, a lot of, if you're 39, you probably know what I'm talking about. That alarm clock, nightmare dream. Anyways, um, that you actually need to do work. Cause before that I was all loosey goosey. Like, I'm not going to let that bother me, but it's like, no, do the fricking work. Now that's when I like pushed on the, uh, the gas pedal on the car. I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to kind of like, for me, it was stopping dating unavailable men, which meant basically isolation and not dating anybody. <laughs> and it was the worst, hardest <laughs> thing, but like, it was like, literally like you actually need, if you're 30, if you're in your late thirties and you have goals of finding a partner and having a baby, then you need to sh- take this shit seriously. Don't just wait. I've, I've, I have many friends and clients that are so sad that they never had a child and it's too late. So do not wait. Okay. At the same time, it's kind of a, um, this sounds like I'm going to say just the polarity anxiety. I mean the the nightmare, the urgency and nightmares and anxiety around it continued for probably two to three years. Mm -hmm. And then the shift happened when I was able to be in the moment and come into acceptance with, I mean, come on, I was already like 43. I'm like, I'm just gonna be single for the rest of my life. And like, literally I let go of having a child, you know, years before that. So like full literal acceptance of your current state. Like if nothing changes, like, and this is the truth, even when people work with me, I want you to know nothing may change in your circumstances. You know, if you're coming to me for having a baby, I can't guarantee you're gonna have a baby. And whatever the situation is, the most important thing is that you come into acceptance with your current state and find peace there. And then mm-hmm. opportunities will come to you much easier. Absolutely. Cause you're not chasing after anything. You're just at rest and then things can come to you, but it is that, you know, it's two sided. Cause just as you said, if we just sit around all the time saying, I hope I find love, I hope I find love and just, Oh, that would be so nice. And we're not in action at all then, you know, then we're not really putting out there. We're not setting the intention, right? Because it, it brings in a lot of empowerment to say, I'm not hopeful for it. I believe in it. You know, I'm calling in love. I'm setting my intention for love because that's active. You can be at rest, but still be active, right? In terms of, you know, putting your intention and your vision out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it also has a big part to do with, you know, sort of doing the groundwork, but letting go of the results, you know, I think that's what trips us up a lot is we say, okay, I'm going to work really hard and, and I'm going to get exactly this thing. But I think so much in life, whether it's your soulmate who you first meet and you're like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, no, that is not them. But being open to, you know, everything comes to you for your highest good. So if you've set your intention and something shows up, be open to, okay, this is what I'm meant for. So, yes, I would like to speak about that point. Cause a lot of my, you know, the work I do in my book is about pain. So we're like, I have freaking cancer or I just, you know, have chronic back pain. Um, there is a reason why everything is happening. And most likely when we're off, I call it off balance. There's a reason we're off balance. There's a message or something we need to learn that's going to help with our growth, our growth cycle to take us to the next level. So in my book, I, it's kind of like an arrow I direct you towards. Maybe this is the potential lesson you need to learn to come back into your imbalance, to be your highest and best self, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So rather than resisted and, you know, like that, that's where people go when they have a um, tragedy or illness or trauma. And I'm not saying that's like an easy thing to do, but 
after you get through the doctor's diagnosis and the fear around it, then just take a step back and be like, wait a second, wait a second. What's my truth here? What is my truth? Yeah, I love that. I love all those things. So important, you know, and and it it does, it really kind of brings back um, a sense of peace when you embrace all those concepts, you know? Well, Shara, I can't thank you enough for being on the show and sharing all about your spectacular work and your life and yourself, you know, and your glory. And I just want to say how brilliant. And now with all the work that you've done and the patience that you had, now you're in your forties and you're just absolutely killing it. And you're living the life and you're living your, your soul's purpose with your soul mate and your little soul baby and your soul dog. And it's just amazing. Yes. <laughs> Everything's great. Yes. Here's one. Here's one of my soulmates right here. Oh my goodness. I wish Wait, everyone could we look like. I'm like, I'm trying to look more and like more and more like you. I'm trying to be more like you every day. <laughs> I just for the <laughs> listeners, she's holding up her precious little puppy. It's a little terrier with no, it's a, what, what type is it? Yeah. He's a silky terrier. Yes. Mm-hmm. So cute. Mm-hmm. They look very much alike. They're clearly soul pod members. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you love ever after of, of joy. You're an inspiration for joy and health and Thank healing you. Shara. And I just am so grateful that you're out there doing this work. I'm so grateful Thank that we're you. connected. And now yes. all the listeners can connect with you Yay. and find you on your website and get your Yay. book and join Yay. the party and Yay. join the manifestation group because we all are ready Thank to you. of our dreams. Awesome. Thank <laughs> you. All right, my dear. Well, thank you so much for being on. Well, we'll have you back soon. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guests. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.